Timothy. Well, it's good to see you, friends, and uh, can I have my welcome? If you're new or visiting, my name is Mark. I'm the senior pastor here. It's great to be with you. Those of you who are regular members, thank you. To those of you who um, were remembered to pray this last week, I've been over in Ireland doing some uh, some of the New Wine Island there, and uh, um, really exciting to see what God is doing um, in different places. It truly was terrific and uh, three of the key bishops of Ireland uh, came. I I sat with one bishop one evening and um, he said to me, Mark, he said, I can't understand why some church leaders just don't get it and come along to something like this. He said, I try to get them all along. And I thought, that's, that's the way, that's, that's the mess we got. Last time I was in New Zealand, the bishop there, Bishop of Wellington, said exactly the same. He said, would you come back and I'll get all the clergy uh, from my diocese to come uh, to hear some of this, to see, to bring life um, and light into our nation. So it's really great. You know, the thing that New Wine is doing is really significant. And um, uh, big prayers this week, please, as we go into um, uh, New Wine LSE. And uh, there's a meeting this afternoon at four o'clock. Is it four o'clock? 4.30, 4.30, I got that wrong, didn't I? 4.30 this afternoon. So if you're going to New Wine with our church family, 4.30 this afternoon, come here. There's going to be a cup of tea for you and probably a bit of cake or something or biscuits. There'll be something uh, and you'll be able to meet some others who are going and find out a bit more about it and uh, get a list of things that you need to take and, and uh, make the most of it. It's really good to hear a bit more about it before we get there. Before I say anything else, can I just say a huge thank you? Um, uh, I just thought that collection last week was terrific, wasn't it? £10,730 we collected as a church family. So I want to say thank you, friends. Uh, Do you know, it's really terrific being part of a church family who are so generous. I was away this week with, um, the beginning of the week, I was away with the uh, trustees of Tearfund, who of course we give our money through and... Uh, just reflecting on what's going on and they just did this little, you know, here are, our, here are our key generous churches. And I stood in the meeting and I flipped it over, just a trustee, I was, oh yeah, there you go. And there was our name in there and I thought, well, that we're known for our generosity is a good thing, hey? You know, that we, we have a heart uh, for the poor. Not quite sure what they do with a list like that, but it was there anyway. So thank you. The, the thing is this, uh, we are made, we're made, aren't we, for more than we can achieve on our own. I, I think that what we did together last week actually produces fruit. It makes a difference. Um, I had a really interesting email conversation with somebody who's not a member of this church, but um, uh, who uh, wrote me an email asking why we were giving money to East Africa. Now, immediately in your mind, I hope you're thinking... Why would anybody even begin to ask that question? But, but we had that, that question was asked, and he said, you know, you, really what you should be doing is looking at the uh, um, global warming and doing this and doing that. And, the other. And, and I wrote back and said, well, actually, we are doing all of that, but you also need to meet the immediate need. And um, he wrote an email back, and I wrote one of those emails back, just, uh, just try to be really gentle and loving and kind and and said, you know, this is who we are and this is what we do. And I won't reply again, so I'll let you have the last word if you want to. Do If you respond, but I'm not going to respond back. So I I really don't like email conversations, do you? I don't think they're very helpful. 
You can't hear what people are saying. You like them, don't you, Peter? I know, but you're unusual, brother. I, 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 you, can't, you can't hear the intonation in somebody's voice. You can't hear the approach. That it just feels so cold, doesn't it? It's like, you think that, and we make this judgment on what we think that person's writing to us. And actually, we could be way off. So he wrote an email back. It's a terrific email, actually. The last word. The last word, he called it. Yeah. It was six pages. <laughs> six pages. I got halfway through the second page, lost the will to live and deleted it. Thought, I can't do this. So he had the last word. I hope he feels better for it. But we're, we're here to make a difference, aren't we? And together last week we said, come on, let's do this and make a difference. Uh, but I think it's not just about us together. I think it is about us together. I think that's what we ought to do together. I, I think that's part of what a Christian community is about. A, a Christian community is about making a difference. It's about saying, we can do this. That's why we're involved in things like Beesham and Choices and all the other things. That's why we're involved in it. Because we want to make a difference. But it's not just about doing it corporately. Because if we just do it corporately, in a sense, we all participate, but... But we think, well, we can just do that as one. But I think there's something about individually participating in it as well. I think that individually uh, we want to make a difference. And, and that's what Jesus is talking about in our passage this morning in John 15. He says this, he says, I've come, I've come that you would bear fruit. That, that, that your life would uh, impact and help other people's lives. If you look at Jesus' life, I love this. Jesus' life is one like this. He came, he came. Very, I think Jesus lived the most simple life. I think if we could just get this, it would be so exciting. He came with one very simple message. He came with some pretty tough words to the church. He said to the leaders of the church at the time, then he said, will you stop criticising each other? He says, will you stop putting all that stuff on people that you shouldn't be putting on people? Will you, will you stop condemning those who've yet to find God? And Jesus, notice, preached in the temples, then he left the temples, and he went and spent his time walking amongst the people, all those who are looking and inquiring. And he says, oh, come to me. Come to me. Here's what God's like, and he tells a story and paints a picture. Here's what God's like, and he describes a situation. Here's what God's like, and he demonstrates something of the kingdom of God. And, 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 and the, the, the religious community are going, you can't do that. We do it this way. And Jesus is going, I, I think you've got it wrong. It's about this. It's about going out and making a difference. And it, we're, we're in John 15, we're coming towards the end of his life. And, and, and at this point he's saying, I, I'm going to leave you. Not as orphans, we thought about that last week. I'm, I'm going to leave you. But I'm going to leave you with another gift because I want you to keep doing this. I want you to keep living your life as I live mine. Don't get, don't get holed up in religion, but start making a difference. Go and bear some fruit. He says this, I am the vine, you're the branch. And there's just one thing that a branch is supposed to do. It's, it's supposed to, to take sustenance, a branch takes sustenance from the trunk 
And there's a, there's a word that repeats itself in this passage. And the word is this, it's remain. Jesus used the word remain. He says, remain in me. We're all branches. And we're all branches. And, and together we create this incredible tree. He describes it, doesn't he, another time, where the birds of the air can come and rest in. That people who are broken and hurt and, and crushed by life can come and find new life. I so hope, I just so hope, that this church is a place like that. That the words we use and the way we are and the, the atmosphere we create and the things that we do say to people, come. Would you come and find Christ here? But he requires something of us. He says, look, remain in me because we can't do it on our own. We need God's help. We need his help to, to uh, ex- continue to extend his kingdom because if we don't do it with his help, if we don't continually ask the spirit to fill us, there is a danger. And the danger is we retreat back into religiosity. We retreat back into the ways that protect ourselves. The challenge, of course, is to say, I'm going to continually make myself open to God and to do the things of God. If I don't remain, if I don't stay plugged into God, then we won't be as fruitful as uh, we should be. That's why Paul uses the language he does in Galatians. Uh, Paul sets up a contrast, doesn't he? He says, uh, I don't want you to be characterized or marked by what he calls the works of the flesh. And then he lists them, immorality, envy, jealousy, that sort of thing. He says, don't be characterized by this, but do be characterized, he says, and we'd expect him to say, by the works of the Spirit. But he doesn't, actually. He doesn't say anything about works. But he says, do be characterized. He says, be marked by the fruit of the Spirit. Not the works of the Spirit, be marked by the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, if we can get, if we, if we continually allow ourselves to be open to God, we won't do the works as it were, we won't create a, a shrine that does religious things. We'll, cre- we'll be living, breathing beings, marked by Christ, changed by Christ. Paul uses the language of being in Christ that our lives would then continually reflect Christ. That, that, I think, is what Jesus is trying to get over at this point. He says, look, it's not just about doing religious stuff. He says, it's about being the person that God has called you uh, to be. I wonder if you ever think about how much Jesus loves you, no matter what you've done, no matter how badly you've blown it, uh, no matter how much you've sinned, no matter how inadequate you feel. He says here, he says that he loves us the way that the father loves a son. Uh, when I was away this week, I, I when we went to Ireland, I took my son Joss with me. Now, such a uh, pleasure taking a little fellow with me and we travelled together and we did all those things we shouldn't do. We, we left home and we got to um, Victoria Station to get the tube down to Gatwick and I said, here, should we get a McDonald's? He says, yeah, good idea. And we'd, we'd only just had breakfast, you know. <laughs> so he had a McDonald's and I had a coffee. And, and, and we, we, we went down to Gatwick and we got to Gatwick and we checked in. And I said, I think it's time to find a coffee shop. He said, oh, okay. And I gave him two pounds. I said, go find a shop and buy what you want. He went, I'm off. And he was just gone, you know. I said, I'll be here sitting in this coffee shop. I've got my, my cup of coffee. I'm happy he came back later. Like a triple-sized triple Mars bar. 
Now you need to know at this point that my wife says half a Mars bar is enough. That's what she says. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? He came out, he had a triple one. I said, are you really going to eat all of that in one go? He said, I think so. <laughs> so, so Joss and I, we had great fun and, and uh, I got him up for the early morning prayer meetings. He didn't appreciate that because he had to be out with me the whole time. And we were going to bed like half past midnight, one o'clock in the morning because we were doing leader stuff. And He was sat in the corner on my iPhone playing games. Lynn says, half an hour at a time. I don't know how long he was gone there, but I tell you, <laughs> dickens of a time. But we, we travelled together, and it was, just, it was just great fun having my little fellow with me and, and uh, uh, doing that sort of thing. But because I had my son with me, all these people kept talking to me about their children. And, and uh, one bloke I was talking to, he, he showed me his phone, he said, that's my, that's my little girl. I said, oh, that's nice, and asked him about his little girl. I said, that's nice. And, he said, actually, it's quite an old picture. Well, the little girl in the picture was all of about 18 months old. So I was thinking, oh. I said, well, how old is she now? Thinking, five, six, I don't know. You know. He said, she's 20 months now. <laughs> thinking, oh. <laughs> it's not that old a picture then, you know. It's quite up to date, I think, really. And then God spoke to me. And he said, Mark... I got your picture on my phone. Well, he probably doesn't have a phone, but. And I bet he's got your picture as well. That's how much he loves you. He can't stop talking about you. And he carries your picture with him. Because you are so precious to him. That's how much he loves you. I wonder if you ever thought about how much your father loves you. The tiniest detail about your life never grows old to God. That's why your prayers are so precious to him. God is filled with delight and wonder at your faltering steps and your stammering words. Because we do them so well. Not because we do them so well, but because he views them through the eyes of a loving father. That's my daughter. That's my son. Look at what they do. I don't know if you've ever been with a... I remember doing it. Gosh, I look back now and think how embarrassing it was, you know. One of my children paints something. I'm like, let's stick it on the wall. It's fantastic. We kept all those in a box in our house. You look back at them now and you think, oh my goodness gracious me. What a mess. We're so proud of them. That's what our father thinks of you. Whatever you try to do, that's my girl. That's my boy. That's my child. He loves you with this incredible love. I wonder if you know what the um, most frequent promise in the Bible is. It's not the promise of forgiveness, although that is an incredible promise and a very precious one. It's not the promise of eternal life, although... That's there for us all. But the most frequent promise in the Bible is God saying, I'll be with you. Don't be afraid, I'll be with you. And he says in our reading today, he says, look, remain in me. I'll be with you. 
He's not moved. He's right there. He's walking beside us all the time. I'll be with you, he says. You just need to turn to me. You just need to turn to me. I'll be with you. And when we turn to someone like that, when we turn to our Father, we're able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine because his Spirit fills us and equips us and helps us to do the things of God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God was with Adam and Eve. God was with Enoch. God was with David. God was with Moses. God was with Noah. God was with Paul. God was with Mary. And when Jesus came to the earth, he was given the name Emmanuel. God is with us. He is with us. The primary story of the Bible is not the story about God's people's desire to be with God. It is the story of the desire of God to be with his people. It's the primary story of the Bible. God desires to be with you. Like I had so much fun this week taking my little fellow with me, God has so much fun if we say, I'll go with you. I'll walk with you, Lord, this week. I'll walk with you wherever you want to take me. I'll enjoy the time with you. God wants to go uh, with you. We need to be ruthless about saying yes to the Holy Spirit. Yes, when you're happy. Yes, when you're sad. Yes, when you're discouraged. Yes, when you're depressed. Yes, when you're tempted at every moment. Jesus says, just remain in me, he says. Stick with me. And together we can do so much more. Together we can have fun. Together we can achieve more. We're created for a purpose. The purpose was to bring fruit. And if we do it with our Father, we'll produce fruit in our lives. And in this passage, it talks about fruit. And what are the first three elements of the fruit of the Spirit? Love and joy and peace. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love, in Jesus' love. If we know the love of the Father in our lives, we'll love other people. I so believe this. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Loved people love people. Loved people love people. And the Lord loves you. And he just wants you to know his love. And if you'll know his love, you too will be more like him. You too will be loving. Me as well. Love, he says. Then he goes on later Two verses later, he says, I've told you these things so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. That we'd know something of the the joy of God. I I think there's enough depressing news around at the moment. We've got to do stuff about that. That's what we're challenged to do. But he says, you can do it out of a place of love and you can do it out of a place of joy. God's joy will be deep within us. We'll take something rich 
and life-changing to others. And we reflected last week a little bit. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Love, joy and peace. You know, the vine was uh, frequently used in the Old Testament. If you look at if you do a study, if you go back and look at it, the image of the vine and the vineyard almost always stands for Israel, God's people. And when Jesus used these words, uh, those would have been shocking words to his listeners. And we tend to skim over that part. Anybody listening to him would have known that he was, in this moment, radically defining connectedness with God. Because they were saying... This is how we connect with God, through our religious laws and through everything else, through everything that's been handed down. And he's saying, that's not how you connect with God anymore. He's saying, it's through me, Jesus. Remain in me. Be filled with me. Hold tight to me. We almost can't understand the radical nature of the statement that he's making there to those people then. But God says, I am going to be available to you uh, at any time. God's one desire, friends, is to be with us. He chose us. I, I think that is a, a, an amazing statement we get in this reading. He says, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I, I wonder if you thought that when you became a Christian. Uh, I think I'll become a Christian. I think I might pray a prayer. I think I might give my life to Christ. And we think it's all about our decision. Now I know, I know there's human responsibility and divine sovereignty and you know we can get into some theological arguments here but, but I think you have to hold them in balance because it clearly says here, God chose you. Says, says in 2 Timothy, God wants all people to be saved. We're created in the image of God. There's something of the image of God in every single person. I think God chooses people. He just waits for us to respond to that choice, that invitation. He's chosen us. You might be surprised to hear this, but I've not always been... uh, as athletic and have have the same outstanding physique that I have now. When I was a teenager, I could run uh, and I could play rugby, but for the life of me, I couldn't play football because every time you hit the ball, it goes in a different direction. It's like round and has a way of its own. At least the rugby ball, you throw it and catch it. It makes sense, you know. So I play football with my Callum in the garden now and he runs rings around me, just dances around me, it feels like. He's playing with me, you know. And, and, and we, put, we play up to ten. We, you, know, you have to score first to ten goals. And I'm getting one, yeah, I've got one. And then he scores another. Oh, we're leveled that. You know, and he gets me up to nine. And sometimes he lets me go up to nine and he's still on five. And then he dances around me and wins ten-nine. And I think, how does he do that? Every now and again, of course, he slips up. And I win. But, but, but when, I was, when I was at school, you know, it, it, in the playground, the game you play, like if you're a boy, it's football. If you can't play football, it is excruciatingly painful. You know, because like they, you know, they, 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 they pick two people and you all line up against the wall and they pick a team. And you're standing there going, pick me, pick me. Don't let me be lost again. 
And then someone would go, oh, we'll have Meluish. That's what they'd say, you know, we'll have Meluish. And some of you know just how that feels, because some of you were raised or even live in dark places where you're reminded that you're not wanted. Maybe your parents told you you were not wanted. Maybe your husband or wife makes you feel unloved or second rate. Perhaps you struggle with intense loneliness. And you know what it feels to be on the outside forever looking in. Jesus says he's chosen you. He's chosen you. He's chosen you. Not the person next to you. Not the person in front of you or beside you. He's chosen you. It says that here, to be his friend. He's chosen you to be his friend. He says, will you you just come and be with me? All I ask is that we stick together. And he says, if you would respond to me choosing you, and you'll remain in me, if we can stick together, he says, then perhaps together we can make a real difference in this world. And I don't want you to become all religious. (laughs) He says, I want you to be a people who will bring light and life into other people's lives. To be a people who brings something of the goodness of God. Know this, God chose you. If you forget everything else that happened or is said today, go to bed tonight saying, God chose me. He chose me. With all my faults and failings, with everything I do wrong, God chose you to be a member of his family, to be a dear friend of his. He chose you and he just wants to walk beside you. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never abandon you. I'll be faithful to you. I've chosen you to be my friend. Come on, let's go bear some fruit together. Should we stand? Can we do that? Father, the truth is sometimes it just doesn't feel as though we're chosen. Sometimes we don't get it right. But we want to ask your Holy Spirit upon us now. Now we're just going to have a few moments of silence. Can I encourage you, just be open to your Heavenly Father who looks on you with the love of a father to his child. He's so proud to have you with him. And he says, I've chosen you. I've chosen you.